You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic, everyone. I am Ashley, your host. I'm so glad you're tuning in today. Yoga Magic is a show that brings you self-care and self-discovery practices so that you can try them on. Hopefully just bring tons of different ideas your way. Perhaps you're you know, really into spirituality. You've been practicing rituals and and yoga for many years, or maybe you're brand new. And I, I hope that whoever you are, that there are some new practices coming your way from the show. Today is another really fun episode, and we're talking about partnership, how our partners can mirror the parts of ourselves that we want to continue to develop, where we want to grow, and how they can assist in our personal development, but also our manifestation process. And I have Matt and Ash, the yoga couple, here. I'm so excited to be sitting down with them. Before I tell you more about Matt and Ash, uh, we are just entering Mercury Retrograde as this is airing today. I hope it actually airs, you know. (laughs) Technology always gets a little bit wild. What's interesting about this particular Mercury Retrograde is that it's also happening while we're in a Venus Retrograde. So Venus Retrogrades are much more rare and they, they, because they're more rare, they tend to impact us a little bit more. Mercury retrogrades, they happen several times a year. They're just kind of annoying. I'll give an example of a Mercury retrograde thing. So the minute the shadow opened up, that's usually about a week or so before the actual Mercury retrograde practice, I got my first um, like hack account where somebody created a duplicate account that looked exactly like me on Instagram and then was soliciting people. So if you ever get emails, or I should say DMs, from someone that's like, hey, would you like a reading? Venmo me money. Don't do it, friends. This is such a common thing that's happening in our world of astrology and spirituality and all the things right now. Just... If somebody has a whole bunch of posts up and they're all on the same day, you know it's fake, okay? (laughs) So again, that's a a pretty typical example of something that would happen during a Mercury retrograde. But what you can do during this both Venus and Mercury retrograde, because they're both in Capricorn, is to reflect on your systems, it's Capricorn world, reflect on your work, reflect on what is outward success for you, your boundaries, look back. And as things do slow down, potentially in these areas of your life, in work, in your systems, I mean, we're literally seeing it play out with the the COVID surge at the moment. Give yourself permission to slow down yourself and to reflect back because that's what retrogrades really allow us to do. So happy Venus and Mercury retrograde, everyone. 
it's just part of life and we will get out of it very soon. A little bit annoying. Always double check your emails and don't sign any huge contracts over Mercury Retrograde if you can avoid it. For the most part, it all works out. Um, the other astrological thing happening is that we are entering Aquarius season. The sun moves into Aquarius on January 19th, and that's a shift uh, definitely from Capricorn energy, which is about tackling the list, getting the things done, you know, achieving the success. Whereas Aquarius really likes to think outside the box. Aquarius is solving problems, and they do it in a way that others maybe don't think of. But there is an element of being okay with being alone. Aquarius is is really, you know, energized in that information space and less so in, you know, large groups of people. So as we move, the sun moves into Aquarius, give yourself some time to solve some problems for yourself. Think, think differently and be okay with being alone for just a little bit. Um, you know, as a collective, we don't necessarily feel the sun changing signs, but it is kind of fun to think about. You know, think about each of these signs and what they embody. The you know most impactful astrology throughout the year is more of those transits, you know, those retrogrades, eclipses, things that we were talking about. So we're in it. We're in it 2022. Let's do this. I'm so excited about our guest today. Um, I want to just quick shout out our show sponsor, Interval. So, so grateful for Interval and all the amazing things that their platform provides. So I'm hosting some of my my events here on Interval this year, and it's just been so easy to set everything up. And yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful because hosting online classes can get really time consuming. I've been loving Interval. And then secondly, I would love for you to hop on the Yoga Magic email list. In today's episode, we're actually talking a little bit about manifesting a partner. And I'm such a true believer that self-care and manifestation are deeply connected. When we invest in ourselves, when we really embody that high self-worth, we attract more positive things. So I do have a free guide for you, self-care for manifestation, which will get you on the Yoga Magic email list. More information on that in the show notes. Check it out. Let's talk about Matt and Ash, the yoga couple. So I've been a fan of Matt and Ash for some time. They're just really, they're fun to observe. They are so full of light and love. I mean, I don't use those words. That's such a funny sort of like overused yogic word, light and love, but they really are. They're both Libras, literally the sign of relationship. And they're both Libras. And their story of how they met is so wild. Talk about manifestation. For those of you that are seeking a partner or are in a partnership right now, this will be really inspiring to you. And they talk about how your partner can show you where you have continued growth in your life. You know those times when something comes up and your partner, you're just really triggered by your partner and you take just a pause to think about it and you realize like, oh wait, I do that thing. I do that thing that's driving me nuts about them right now. This is the concept that our partners are mirrors. They are mirrors of ourselves and they allow us to go within and work on ourselves. So Matt and Ash are best known, again, as the yoga couple on social media. They have over 500,000 people in their online community, and they are a top 10 Amazon best-selling author. Their latest book, The Inner Work, is, is really so helpful at thinking about 
how you can go within, right? How you do that self-discovery work, which we talk about. And they give really great examples, tangible examples in this book, as well as on today's episode. They live in Hawaii. They live in this beautiful tropical space and they host yoga teacher trainings, all sorts of workshops. So if you are looking to do yoga teacher training online in 2022, definitely check them out. I'm so excited to have them on the show and to be able to learn a little bit more from them in partnership, but also, you know, as as yogis, as those of us that are seeking that yogic path in life. Finally, friends, if you are new here, I'm so glad you're here. If you like this episode, share it with a friend, share it on Instagram. If you've been here for a while and you haven't yet tapped that five stars on Google, wait, what? Apple Podcasts. <laughs> it makes such a big difference. And now you can leave starred reviews on Spotify too. So if you listen to Spotify, pop on in there and leave a review. It just really makes a big difference. I'm so grateful. I read every one and it goes a long way. All right, let's get to our conversation with Matt and Ash, the yoga couple. Thank you for being on the Yoga Magic Podcast, Matt and Ash. I'm so glad you guys are here calling in from Hawaii, reaching over to Minnesota and the rest of the world. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank you. We're very excited to be here. Well, I'm sure a number of listeners already know the two of you, um, maybe have come across your work, your podcast, but can you just tell listeners a little about you as individuals and as a couple, I guess, as, as both? Yeah. Uh, I would say that <laughs> where to even begin. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think the main thing is we uh, are trying to show up in the world as, as holistic healers. And we're kind of a fun blend of East, me, East meets West. And a lot of our, our work is about helping people bridge um, the, my background is in Western psychology and medicine and stuff like that. So I kind of bring that version of explaining things to help connect with, with us that are really drawn towards the science and the psychology of healing. And then Ash's background is really heavily in the Eastern traditions in, of healing and yoga and Chinese medicine and acupuncture and these types of things. And it's kind of this beautiful blend of East meets West of bringing in the yoga philosophy, but blending it with Western psychology and medicine to see the profound healing benefits that we can get from merging these two worlds and being able to articulate the yogic healing tradition and the yogic spiritual tradition in a very Western way that helps make it very practical and applicable and makes it very like real to us on a daily level for those of us who are in the, the normal, you know, family life and grind of, of life. And we're not all just yogis in caves in monasteries and stuff. So our whole mission is really to help make that, that profound wisdom of yoga accessible and practical for people in their life to heal, to have more joy, to alleviate suffering. And that's kind of our, our, our grandest overview yeah. of, the, of what we do. I love it. So the two of you before you met, was this like your mission or did that come together when you two became who you are today? I, I think that the reason we, we go so well together is because we both had this vision as individuals. Mm -hmm. And when we first met, we saw that in each other, like, wow, you're on the same path as me. And you have this same vision for being of service to humanity and of 
spreading and teaching, like he said, the yoga philosophy in a very down to earth way. And we would just totally geek out on these topics together. And it just felt like a total, like, like a best friend, like a little companion mm. that, wow, like we're on the same page. We, we mm. have the same vision. What would it be like to combine forces and then be this, you know, epic duo on a mission together. And for us, we really say our practice is the yoga of relationship uh, being that this is both of our individual practices is, is yoga and this inner work of self-realization and self-reflection. But then when you come together in your companionship, your relationship becomes the grounds for your practice. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's all about, you know, how can this uh, yoga path be, like he says, uh, Matt says, relatable and applicable to a normal person. Well, most of us are navigating relationships and yeah. it's like all of our stuff surfaces in relationship. We're navigating relationships with our partner, husband, wife, partner, family, mother, father, you know, children, coworkers. And it's all about relationship. Life is all about relationship. So yeah, before, before we met, we were both individually on this path mm -hmm. and recognized and saw that in each other. And we're like, let's, let's do this. And then the yoga couple was born. Yeah, it was a, it was very, very conscious. We were both very consciously trying to seek out um, someone, literally our companion to do this with, because we knew the vision we wanted to, to share with the world and what we wanted to devote our lives to. I think we both had individually made that conclusion already. And then, then it became, all right, well, I want a companion to do this with right? and want a companion to create that with, because if I'm going to devote my entire life to it, then I'm going to need a companion who's going to want to agree with that. Otherwise, you know, for me, it's going to be like, well, otherwise she's going to be like, Hey Matt, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just, I'm doing, you know, I'm in it. And, <laughs> and so it was easier to blend it rather than having to separate um, se yeah. have separate. Yeah. Like this is just my own thing. And then she's maybe does her own thing. So for us, it was just, and maybe that's the Libra in us, you know, like we're both Libras and yeah. I think, are you really that, both? Oh my God. I yeah. love like that's yeah. the most perfect for relationships. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say like exactly. Yoga relationships were all yoga about relationships. relationships. Oh, relationships so like the yoga couple. Yeah. Yeah. So we had this kind of shared goal of of using the relationship as you know one of the most important places to cultivate peace, love, and and like Ash said, relationship is everything about being human. So. Mm -hmm. You know, we we all we often joke like that. Yeah, we're the Libra couple, we're the relationship couple, the yoga couple, the healing couple. You name it. But it's funny because that's like all Libra that's stuff. All we about <laughs> that's so funny, and I wonder too. I love sort of the idea that we as souls, you know, obviously if you are in this beautiful conscious relationship, this is not the first time that you've been together on this path. And that like immediate soul recognition. Did you guys have that experience the first time you met? Like, whoa that person. I know that. Person. Oh yeah. We got, yeah. I can tell you a quick little, yeah. Do the quick, do the quick synopsis. <laughs> okay. So I am in a relationship with somebody who's not on the same path and I'm recognizing that. And I'm like, okay, like I really want to align myself with somebody who's more on the same wavelength as me heading in the same direction in my life. I like to call my relationship before this, like my normie life. I was in like a very normal, mm, yeah. everything looked good, but it was lacking that spiritual awareness. And I was craving that. So I set my intentions on, you know, if it's this person I'm with, great. I will, we'll do the work. We'll figure this out. And if it's not, please alleviate me of 
this attachment. Like, let me let it go. You know, like, let me move on and see that this isn't right for me and like alleviate me from trying to cling to this relationship. That's not serving me so I can open myself up to what is. So I was intentionally having these meditations and journaling about it, all these things, putting my, you know, efforts and awareness toward finding resolution. I said, maybe I need to get away from my partner for a little bit and go be alone and do like a retreat so that I can come to this conclusion of like, I need to probably move out. We were living together and say like, this isn't where I want to go, even though everything is lovely. And I'm Googling like yoga retreat, personal like yoga retreat. And I accidentally find this blog that's all about self-realization and all the stuff we're talking about like in their work within relationships and all these things. I'm like, wow, this is like literally what I'm going through right now. Like, this is so beautiful. Who wrote this? And then I Google who wrote it and it's Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, there's no way this guy wrote all these things. Um, he's so young and this is so profound and kind of did a little bit of stalking and added him on Facebook. Cause we didn't have all this like social media back in the day. It was just Facebook. And I added him as a friend. And then I don't know, he must recognize something in me. And he messaged me and said, I am assuming your family through my blog, basically what do you think the meaning of life is? I write him back this epic like <laughs> dissertation. He writes me back a dissertation. We start just talking, you know, for, for weeks and months back and forth. I'm like totally in love with him. So I ended up leaving my partner very consciously align myself with Matthew. And then we make plans to meet in person. Everybody thought I was getting catfish. They were like, you don't know who oh my this gosh, person yeah. is. <laughs> you just like met him on the blog. He, he could be a creepy guy. He's like, you know, fake Facebook account. What are you doing? And so we make plans to go meet and I, you know, drive to Santa Barbara. He flies to Santa Barbara and we meet in the middle basically. And he gets off the plane. We're like, oh my gosh, you're real. Oh my gosh, you're real. We run to each other. We cry, we hug, we kiss. We look at each other and we say, I love you. And then that was it. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad you told that story. I feel like, how could you leave that out? That's amazing. It's <laughs> and then pretty wild. We had to do all the inner work and have so many problems to be where we are today. Totally. So just don't want to give all the it's gonna be beautiful and then we move in together and we have bills to pay and problems and right. all kinds of shit just like everybody else yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and, I love that, that. Same, yeah at that same time it was a trip too because I was very very consciously dating to marry um and really specifically calling in this person calling in this person and so to answer that original question like did we know like yeah, it was pretty obvious. Like I reached out to Ash because I was I when she first, um, like she said, started following me. I noticed the way she would write like her posts and stuff and the things she was doing. I was like, dude, this is a trip. This is uncanny. It's like I'm reading my own journal. Mm-hmm. And it was so and it's so obvious that we write books together now because it's weird. It's like it's like my soul. It's like I'm seeing my soul and like my in like a feminine reflection. It's like this perfect mm-hmm. soulmate experience. And that was the biggest thing that tripped me out when we met. And a large part of why I eventually reached out to her too is because it was like a mirror. And the way she wrote and spoke and the way her energy was, I was just like, what is, who is this person? This is wild. Because like everything about the tone, the dialect, like it was kind of a trip. And then sure enough, here we are writing books together now. And it's like, it's where people always say like, we're the same. It's like the same soul kind of thing, like an entity. 
and it's a it's a total trip like it's it's just it is kind of magical i think for me i always kind of downplay it just be like yeah it was a trip like whatever but it is it is pretty magical for sure and i'm really really i i'm just incredibly grateful and honored i know that i wouldn't be who i am without her (laughs) like my wife is everything to me (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that so beautiful and you're right it is really magical and sometimes we don't we're like I don't know, like you said, the normies, is that what you said, Ash? Like, I love that. Like the normies of life is like, we don't want to talk about these very profound experiences. I mean, yeah, meeting your partner, your life partner for the first time, like the birth of your children, like whatever it is, these are, these are magical moments. And when we can actually really feel them and express that in a way, you start to see more magic in the, in every little thing. So I'm glad that you, that you talk about it in that way. And you had mentioned, and really what drew me to you too, is this idea of the mirror, the mirror in partnership, because it is, I think one of the best, best gifts of having a partner that you are in true conscious growth with is that they show you where you can grow and, and where you can do that inner work. So can you talk a little about this idea that your partner is a mirror of, of who you are and, and where you're going? Yeah, I, I happen to just be writing an article on this last night. So it's like so fresh. In oh, my good. <laughs> so the, the biggest thing to make it really practical is to see the concept of the mirror is the best way to resonate with it is that when we get triggered by our partner, that is the mirror moment. So when, when we're in a relationship, uh, all of our, all of our wounds will get brought to the surface because all wounds of the heart ultimately are around the topic of love, right? So any, any spiritual, emotional wound or trauma that we have ever been through is just a message that we are not loved in some degree. So extreme trauma is like really like horrible messages of you're totally unlovable, you're rejected, all this to like, oh, just mild embarrassment or just someone hurts your feelings and stuff like that. But the message of any wound we carry is always a a degree of not feeling loved. Well, when you have an intimate relationship that is built around the foundation of love, naturally every wound within our heart will get brought to the surface through the relationship because naturally our partner will do something or say something just right that will remind us and trigger that old wound. So like to make it really um, practical as an example, let's say growing up, one of my big emotional wounds is feeling really judged and not good enough. Well, Ash, without even trying, just being herself, she'll maybe just say something or do something that triggers that. And that's the mere moment. Because in that moment, she says, she's just minding her own business. And she says, oh, why did, you know, oh, we should have done this. And her just saying like, shoulda, coulda, what are these are all big, like judgment trigger words. And so she says, oh, you know, we should have left a little earlier today or something like that. Let's just say some silly example. In the smallest little moment like that, all of a sudden I'm all of a sudden I'm feeling judged and I'm feeling hurt and I'm feeling like I'm not good enough. And she's like, whoa, 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 like you're totally loved. What's going on? That's the mere moment, because in that moment, the mere concept is it's mirroring to, to me and to, to each other. These moments of triggers are mirroring to us something that is unresolved. Mm. And so our partner is our greatest mirror because we said earlier, like it's the the whole foundation of the relationships love. So it's naturally going to trigger all our love wounds because of that. But then also because on a practical note, you spend the most time with them. They they're the biggest influence on your life. 
They are directly um, involved in all of your classic attachments, your money, your time, your energy, your possessions. You're sharing all that with them. So the a level of interaction you have with this person, it's just the perfect recipe to trigger anything and everything you still need to heal. And so that's, that's why we say it's the ultimate mirror, because ironically, they're going to make you really uncomfortable. And if we can learn to lean into that discomfort and say, what is this trying to teach me? What is, what is this? What wisdom is this trying to help me see? And if we can sit with that discomfort long enough, rather than just attacking and avoiding it and masking it, if we can actually sit with it and say, there's a lesson here for me that I need to, to pull from this. There's a healing that is, is being brought to the surface. Now, all of a sudden we're in the yoga of relationship. Now we're taking a trigger that could have just been a classic fight and a blow up and an issue. And then we just kind of ruffle our feathers and then just try to make up and move on. Or we can say, Whoa, what was that? Let's get back to peace. Let's unpack that. What, what was that about for you? You know, I said, Hey, we were just a little late today, but you took that so personally, what happened? And now all of a sudden we're healing together. Now we're helping each other. So that's kind of been our, our wild observation of being in a relationship long-term, you know, going on nine years now of doing this. I like what you're saying about triggers makes so much sense. And I'm loving this idea too, that it's, yeah, we spend just the practicality, right. Of our partner where they're the ones who are bringing the triggers. And I always am so grateful when a trigger comes up in my life, because I'm like, Oh, that's where I get to do some work, right? Like this is, this is definitely an area of concern or an area of growth of, of work. And so, yeah, I, this, this idea that, you, because you could just turn around and blame your partner. Right. I mean, that's, that's the alternative is just be like you, this happened and it's your fault, but you're saying, okay, let's bring it back. How can I do some of that inner work? So what is the next step? A trigger comes up and you, you realize that and you go back and, and do the inner work in, for yourself. What would be the next step? The next step, whenever you're getting pulled from peace is to pause. Yeah. <laughs> so just good. <laughs> Just take a moment and reflect because in the heat of a trigger, we're in the trigger. So our thought process is in the same frequency as the trigger. That's when we're going to start feeling validation, excuses, the blame, all the hurt feelings. And we have to take a moment to separate ourselves from that emotion that's very quickly arising or else we're going to get caught in it like a wave. You know, mm. you think when you're in the ocean and we're here in Hawaii and, you know, people are playing on the beach and these waves are coming in and people get whipped by them all the time, you know, and it's because they're not aware of the power of that wave. They don't realize that the wave could just like blast them out, you know, and throw them on the sand. And our trigger is the same way. It's a, a powerful wave of energy and that energy will sweep us up and throw us on our butts if we're not aware mm -hmm. of it. So whenever we are in the ocean and a wave is coming, we always tell people when they're here visiting, you know, keep your eyes on the wave. Like you have to, you have to turn around and face it. If you turn your back to the wave, you're going to get taken out. And so when we're in a triggering moment, we need to pause and we need to come face to face with that trigger and look at it. We need to make contact and see what's in front of us, see the wave of energy. And in that pausing moment, we can start to become curious. And instead of flowing into the wave, 
it starts to become curious about the wave. So what, like Matt was saying is, you know, what does this mean about me or where is this coming from? And usually when we become curious, um, and we stop projecting on the surface level situation, we can start to do what we always say is connect the dots Mm -hmm. and we can start to see like, wow, when's the last time I felt like this? When's the first time I felt like this? And all of a sudden there's a pattern recognition that happens Mm -hmm. and we're like, whoa, like what this actually means for me in this moment is so much deeper. It has roots in my childhood. It has roots in my past relationship. It has roots in, you know, this belief I have about myself. And when we follow the connecting the dots all the way down, we get we expose that initial lie. Like Matt was saying that initial lie of like unlovableness, somebody did something to us when we were a child or a parent or, you know, yada, yada. And the initial wound is exposed of that made us feel that way. And so this surface level situation that's happening is just another moment for us to see that we still have this wound. We still believe these things. We still are sensitive to it because we haven't done the inner work yet to alleviate, alleviate ourselves from it. Yeah. Cause when we go through uh, a trauma, when we go through and, and a trauma, really to, to define it for us is anytime we feel hurt and unloved. And like we were saying earlier, the degree of trauma is obviously dependent on the situation, but when we go through those experiences, our subconscious takes on a message, right? So So mom judges me or dad hits me or something like this happens where we have some sort of negative experience. And the message I take on is this is about me. This is mine. This is my worth. You know, like, wow, I'm worthy of punishment. I deserve to be hurt, right? Like we start taking on all these messages and what, what humans don't realize. And this is why I'm like so passionate about trying to help, help us all understand this is when we go through those experiences, we just accidentally identified with something horrible that we is not true about us at all. And every time we've ever been hurt, we formed an identity with that on accident. It's just how our mind works. And no one teaches us this because heck psychology itself is a really, really new field of of study. But not only that, let alone, you know, really teaching the spiritual side of it too. Whereas it's like, no, 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 we're losing our true identity as an innocent, pure soul. And instead we're thinking, oh, I'm unlovable and I'm, I'm worthy of pain and I, I deserve to struggle. And I have to, you know, like fear, all this stuff. Like we accumulate these identities because of the traumas. And what we don't understand is like, we all think we move on. Like, yeah, I'm not being abused anymore. And it's like, yep. Yeah, but did you ever cleanse the messages you took on from right. that abuse? And it's like, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? like, I don't know, I moved on, I'm living a good life now. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But that message is still in there unless you did conscious work to get it out. And, and we, this is what I was saying earlier about uh, avoiding and masking is the two common ways the ego will hide. The human mind will hide these messages is it will project it. So it'll blame it on the other person or it will mask it. And these are the, these are the two big red flags, the biggest forms of triggers because the ego is basically trying to divert our attention from looking at the real message. And, and I could go on for hours, like talking about the psychology of why it's doing that. But the, the short form of it is it thinks it's protecting us. And so it thinks by holding on to this message of Matt, you're unlovable. 
and you're worthy of judgment and you need to be paranoid of judgment all the time because you're not good enough. It thinks that that's doing me a favor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's protecting you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It thinks it's helping me, but it's like, dude, you're not helping me anymore because uh, all I do now is every day I feel inadequate. It's like, whoa, is that really helping me? And so that's the beauty of, of looking at these triggers is we, we pause, we find the deeper message and we say, whoa, whoa, whoa. No wonder I'm feeling so defensive and reactive is mm-hmm. because this message of I'm unlovable is getting brought up just because my wife mentioned, oh, we should have left the house a little earlier. And <laughs> now can, it's like this huge, yeah. huge emotional pain coming up. When we can communicate that mm-hmm. and figure out what it really means to us and we communicate that to our partner, now our partner can be on the same team with us and say, whoa, I don't want you to feel unlovable like and reaffirm us and help us to navigate healing that wound by asking questions, being on the same team, being supportive, asking how we felt when we heard those words. Like we always say like knowing your partner's wounds is a love language, knowing their trauma is a love language, because we don't want to unconsciously be reinforcing a program that, you know, someone's working on healing, like that we need to be out of the old environment to heal. You know, we need to be in a healthier environment. So knowing that, you know, Matt has a wound with judgment, then I can be conscious of the way I speak to him and no, it's not my job to heal him. He needs to heal himself, but I can be very supportive and loving that, you know, those words really have a different meaning to him. So I can be just more mindful in my language of, you know, is this going to especially, you know, hurt him? So I can take that, uh, accountability on my part to be a supporting partner. And so that's how it starts to unfold is, you know, we both have our part in our self-healing and in supporting our partner to heal and Mm -hmm. not taking these little moments, these little bickering moments or big moments on surface level value and really coming together to see like, you know, this is coming up. Like you said, you get excited when a trigger comes up. It's like, this is coming up because this must be our moment to actually change it. So let's get to the root of it together and figure out why it hurts so much. Mm -hmm. All right, friends, one more time. I have to tell you about interval. So I've been teaching yoga for over 10 years and the transition to online teaching a couple of years ago was just a kind of a lot. (laughs) I tried a number of different hosting sites. When I started teaching online, I tried just teaching on Zoom. And then I came across Interval and I was so relieved. What this is, is an online platform that lets you build your fitness and your coaching business and community all in one place. So you can host live stream classes, your pre-recorded classes, workshops, that's what I'm doing right now, and even create challenges that you can use to get your clients more involved in your business. So if you're a fitness or a wellness entrepreneur and you haven't checked out Interval yet, make sure you do. Some of the things that you can do are record your classes directly on that platform so you don't have to set it up on your computer and edit it. It's all just in one spot. You can build an app for your clients and you can run live and pre-recorded classes just to, again, grow that membership of yours. It's so nice to be a part of an instructor community of entrepreneurs and I've just, I've really been grateful to have Interval make this all so seamless. 
So it's perfect for anyone that's just starting out in the online fitness space or if you already have an established brand. If you want to learn more about Interval and see if it's a fit, check out the referral link in the show notes to sign up for a demo or visit interval.com. That's interval, I-N-T-E-R-V-A-L.com. On this show, we really like to talk about really specific like practices, self-care, self-discovery. So do you suggest, so this trigger comes up, you've self-identified it, you've maybe vocalized it to your partner doing like journal work, or I know that your book has lots of tips on like kind of really how to do that, the healing, the self-healing. What do you suggest? Like what's your favorite modality? Maybe there's a few. Yeah. So in the moment of a trigger, we're really fond and adamant about breath work. And it sounds so like you could just throw it out and be like, yeah, yeah. Take a deep breath. Like right. when people say like, take a deep breath in the yoga tradition, that's a really profound thing to do. And it's not just take a deep breath and in the yoga tradition, it's, it's called a breath retention is called a kumbhaka. And so when you hold, take a deep inhale, maybe you all can do this while you're listening to me speak as you take like the biggest inhale of your life and see if you can fill your lungs up completely and just hold that breath in for as long as you can. And ideally you might get up to one minute or two minutes of retaining your breath. And what, you know, Paramahansa Yogananda says, when we are holding in our breath like this, we are charging up our pranic energy field and we're energetic beings. So when you hold your breath and you tense up your body intentionally like this, and you do this bond a lock, like you, you tense yourself, you hold the breath in, you are supercharging your entire body and you're taking the attention off of your thought process and you're getting back into your body and you're taking literally a pause in time as well. So maybe you're still holding your breath. Maybe you're not, and you need to exhale, but you can feel a shift like of relief. Mm. It's like, Whoa, like you took a step away from the surface level situation that was happening and you became very present. I always like to tell the story about how yogis believe that time is measured by the amount of breaths we take. So when you slow down your breath or you hold your breath, you're stopping time, Mm -hmm. time, like think about your lifespan. You only have X amount of breaths in your life. So if you slow down your breaths, you are elongating your lifespan. And if you stop your breaths, you're stopping time. So stop time, take a breath, hold it in for as long as you can and wait until you can't hold it anymore to speak because you'll literally be in a new energy. You'll be in a new vibration. And from that place, you can make a different choice from being in that reactive space and that reactive energy. Yeah. Another one too, that I really, uh, I recommend for those who lean towards the anger in the situation, taking space and doing this breath work is really important. And what, what your, whatever your favorite thing to do is the main important thing is get out of the emotional charge before continuing. So hold the breath. That's beautiful. Get the charge to shift and move, take a walk real quick, five minutes, go outside, shake it off, do whatever you need to do. But the the point is to get the charge out of the body before you continue. Because if, if we continue to ha- hack away at something in a relationship and we're not discharging the energy, the energy is what drives the conversation. So if there's a tension in the relationship, 
there's a charge there, like a hurt or a frustration or an anger or a, um, some sort of wound that's getting brought up. So long as that energy stays there, no matter how eloquent we put things, no matter how perfectly we are aware and articulate things, it won't matter because the energy will still hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like if we're angry, but we're talking so perfectly, it doesn't matter because what like my favorite thing Ash is always always tells me is let's say I say baby but I love you like I love you sweetheart like I'm here and she's like yeah but when you say it all I feel is like resentment and it's like oh so I never changed that so if I'm holding and I'm saying all the right things if we're saying all the right things to each other but the energy hasn't changed the biggest thing we've noticed is you have to pause and get that charge to move somehow you have to get that charge out of your body because that's what's going to dictate if anything's going to heal or not and on like, well, th th those are two really like quick ways, but that is the purpose of the, the books that we write. So the inner work book is a literal manual on how to do this inner work and how to uproot trauma and become self-aware, right? Like if you read the inner workbook, you're definitely going to understand how to do this process of self-reflection and identifying patterns. It's how do you identify the patterns and what to do next? And then the second book that we're writing right now that will come out next year, 2022 is a ritual book with practices. Like we're talking about right now, we have what we call inner work processes, which are like kind of like somatic experiences where you go into visualizations and you reenact moments and you get this opportunity to uh, maybe go back into your childhood and pull some wisdom from that. And then we also combine like Kundalini Kriyas, which are purposely to move energy breath work and we have a ritual for every what we call theme of consciousness so whether you're in the vibration of self you know you feel rejected or you're in the vibration of fear or you're in the vibration of anger or you want to go into a higher vibration like forgiveness or love we have practices and rituals for you to get into that vibration through through the body through using yoga and breath work and inner work processes hmm. i'm thinking a lot about my relationship, I'm the yogi in this relationship. Okay. Like definitely on this path and my partner's super open, but not at the same level. What are some things that perhaps other listeners that are in that same position or their partner's not quite on the same path at the moment, spiritually, maybe not quite as open-minded. What are some things that we can do together to move in, in this growth, even if we're not exactly, you know, vibing perfectly at the same time, we are both committed to growth in general. What is a practice or maybe a ritual from your new book that you, that, that a couple can do together? I think when, you know, when we have that relationship with someone we love so dearly and we want them to be like where we're at, you know, we want them to like get on the same page as us. The, the best thing that we can do is to let go of like the expectation and to just lead by example, right? Because what ends up happening is if your languaging starts to change or you start to develop a daily practice, your partner is going to see the results of that. So um, more so than like doing it together, it's like, it's like, don't wait to do it together and do it for yourself. Because if you do it for yourself, your partner is going to see these profound shifts that are happening in you and the positive changes that you're making, even if it's in your own reaction to them, they're going to appreciate that so much because where you used to get triggered and angry or judgmental or impatient, all of a sudden you're not, and you're meeting them with love and patience. And they're going to be like, what 
is this? Like, wow. And, and that is something that you're doing together because Mm -hmm. it's, it's you being in that moment with them in a new way. And if, if they're loving that, then you can definitely invite them to start picking up these mini practices. Like what I say, like the first one to start with is just breath work because Mm -hmm. it's the most profound. So if you all want to, you know, take time in the morning is like, talk about maybe like, you know, for us, our mornings, we see it as like a sacred time. So if you guys can say, Hey, let's try this new thing where in the mornings, like the first 30 minutes of that morning, it's like no cell phones, no digital stuff. Maybe like we don't even really talk. It's like silent and we do our individual practices, maybe just near each other. And we start with like the basics, like breath work and see how it changes our day. And maybe you guys could do like a little challenge together where it's like, let's just try this for seven days and see what happens. Like guaranteed when you show up and do these things, there's profound shifts. So my first advice is just don't wait for your partner and do it yourself Mm -hmm. because that's going to be like profound. And the second invitation is if you, you know, your partner and you do want to join is to, to develop a morning practice with some like guidelines of like, you know, no technology, some silence, maybe sit in the sun, whatever the thing is and start with the easiest things, which is breath work. A lot of people try to go straight to meditation and there's nothing, it doesn't happen because meditation is a spontaneous occurrence that happens to us. It's like that, that Samadhi moment of absorption of, of peace within that's a result of practices, not something that you just sit down and do. So, uh, you know, in the Hatha yoga tradition, Hatha yoga, Pradipika, all these things, they say like Krishmacharya taught that meditation comes after breath work. It comes mm-hmm. after it's a, it's a result. So I always tell people like, don't try to meditate, like just don't even do it. Cause you're going to get discouraged. So breath work is what I would suggest. That's great. That's I, that I'm in agreement. Sometimes people be like, I'm bad at meditation. And I'm like, you know, we all are. That's kind of the point. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cause you can't, you can't just do it. You can't sit down. Like if I sat down to meditate, like, yeah, I get it. Like, it's just, it's not, nothing happens. It's just, you just do in your thoughts. So like, just don't even try to do it and do the practices and the result will just come upon you. Yeah. I'm a fan of meditation, but I have to do like the front work more so like kind of what you're saying. That's so true. I want to hear about your teacher training, what's coming up for you. And I I feel like there's so many people that are hungry for further learning in this area and taking, I mean, we we can see it in the workforce and the labor force. People are leaving these things that they're not aligned with and they're finding these beautiful paths, just like you did. Can you share a little about your teacher training? I'm so glad you asked because this is like the most special thing to, to our hearts is our yoga teacher training program. It's, you know, when, when the COVID stuff happened, we had to adjust and like, how are we going to do this digitally? And we, we responded very quickly. We had to cancel our in-person training that was in Hawaii. And we, you know, made this like, okay, we're going to continue forward and do this digitally. And now that we've developed it this way, we're like, this is staying forever and maybe we'll still do in person, but like, this is the primary thing now is the way we're doing it, which is we have this eight month program and the eight month program is so that we can take our time now that it's distance learning and not have to rush and go, you know, fly away to Hawaii or Bali and then do like a two or three week thing where you're just like in yoga boot camp and 
drinking <laughs> through a fire hose. It's like, <laughs> now it's like this, we have an eight month program where, um, we just do a little bit every week together. We meet live on zoom for three hours a week. We also have eight months of pre-recorded uh, videos and required reading. And then we have our live workshops and we also do one-on-one -on -one mentorship calls with each of our students. And it's like this long-term, what we say is like reinstating the parampara method of teacher to student. We have this really intimate relationship with each individual student because we have the time to do it now. And our students, we have a private Facebook group and they teach 32 times by the end of the eight months, they teach 32 classes because they can record them, submit them. You can't do that in an in-person training. There's no time. You're lucky if you get to teach a little section of a class. And um, it's just, it's opened up this possibility for like deep study. And the difference with our school is that it's a spiritual school. We are really into teaching people yoga as a spiritual experience. So we go into all the stuff, like the energy bodies, the chakra systems, inner work, like psychology of yoga, healing, you know, traumas. And we we're teaching our teachers to not just teach like a class that's like, oh, here's a sequence class for everybody, which they totally are equipped to do. But more so like, like we're talking about with these rituals of, you know, how do you create an experience to heal from grief and understanding that energy of grief and what breath works and what Kundalini Kriyas and what poses and what inner work process could you facilitate to take somebody on this, what Matt calls a hero's journey inside yourself to heal that. And so our teachers come out being able to create these like amazing programs, experiences, they're equipped to work with clients one-on-one. -on -one. We have students come out of our training that literally have like full life counseling programs by the end of it, because it's, it's using the yoga practices for the actual inner work instead of just as a fitness class. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we we're so proud of it. And yeah, if you're, if you're listening to this and you feel like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like you can look it up. It's sacred yoga Institute.com and yeah, reach out to us. Love that. Yeah. My training was eight weeks. <laughs> I'm thinking like, it was fat. It, it worked great at the time, but I'm gearing up for my 300 hour this year or in 2022. And it's like a year long. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the work, right. Is like taking some time. Like you're talking about spending time with the philosophy and letting it settle into your body and so that you can really share it with others. Oh, that's exciting. And I'm like, so happy every, not everything, but so many trainings have come back online or have moved online. And I know your Alliance has like allowed that in this new world that we have and thank goodness it's reaching more people. We can yes. do more. It's amazing. Yeah. You can get like, you know, like Harvard degrees online. So we should be able to get our right? <laughs> teacher training online. <laughs> I know. Oh, so my last question, and I'm always curious, it sounds like you're so rooted in, in your rituals and, and you're, you know, definitely this like yogic lifestyle. What do you do for self-care? And it can be super simple, can be anything. What do you guys do for self-care? Mm. Um, the ocean. Yeah, Matt's a surfer. <laughs> no, um, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, so environmental things, those are really important. For me, I immerse myself in nature. So I think nature has a, it has the divine energy in it. It's kind of the, I'm like looking out the window right now, like channeling it right now. It's like, like, even when I do all my one-on-one -on -one, um, client work, 
in helping and counseling people, I always do the calls outside because I want to be immersed in the energy of unconditional love while doing these practices. And so I think for me, for any of those who use nature, I always recommend just getting outside and getting into raw nature, not man. There's a difference between man planted nature, like human planted nature versus raw nature, uh, because raw nature, it's, it's just pure divine creation and it has a different vibe to it, it has a different vibration to it. And, and plants and parks and things that we create human made, they, they do still have an element of creation, obviously in them, but there's just something interesting about raw nature. So for me, it's like the ocean, right? The ocean is just this profound, crazy energy. That's like this primordial, this vibration that's been there since the beginning of the earth type of thing. And then you have being in nature with, with the forest, wherever you are, the desert, it doesn't matter whatever that nature is, just go into some of that, some of that raw nature, get, if you're in a city, get out of the city, go to find your nearest place where you can be in nature where it's un, untouched and it's just raw and wild and divine. And I always find that taking that time to be in nature, even if it's just like 10 minutes, honestly, just being in it and just being present with it. Because I think what that provides is an opportunity to co-regulate back to that unconditional state of love and presence. And, and when you're in nature, you kind of go back to that primal state of like, there's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to be like we, like we learned from yoga. It's like to be present. So for me, I think for any nature lovers, I would highly recommend nature is it's, it's been my greatest self-care because it brings me back to my truth. And then I think what I add on top of that to make it even more powerful is while in the nature, what you can do very practically speaking is obsessively notice how freaking gorgeous it is mm. and be filled with awe and be filled with gratitude. So like, yeah, don't just go surfing. No, like go surfing and then sit there and stare at how ridiculously beautiful it is and look at the coastline and let it, let it bring tears of joy to your eyes. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, go into the forest and look at those trees and look at the mountains and look at it and be like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> let yourself, let yourself be blown away with gratitude and awe. And I can guarantee you, you will leave that experience a changed person and, and reconnected to something true. Because anytime we connect with gratitude, we're getting back to our truth. So my biggest thing beyond just nature, the last thing I would say for the ultimate self-care that I found so useful is just getting back to gratitude. So if it's a hobby, if it's nature, if it's something that brings you just beautiful, wholesome joy and gratitude, then, then do that and get you to remind yourself of how beautiful and magical life is. And, and gratitude is really the greatest gateway to that. It's the easiest way to get there. I don't even know how to follow up Matt because it's like so epic. <laughs> well, I go on my yoga mat and I do my practice. <laughs> yeah. And it can be simple too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, it's definitely my practice. My practice is everything. And, uh, you know, we, we ebb and flow, right? So like if you, you're, you're on this podcast, probably because you <laughs> love yoga. And, uh, if you're, if you're somebody who's practicing yoga, it's like, I just want to remind you is like, get back to your practice. Cause I know you might have fallen off of it. Like we all do. And it's an ebb and a flow. And you'll notice like when you have your practice and you keep your practice as something sacred, you see the fruits of that in your life. And when we're feeling yucky and just not good, you know, probably we're not practicing 
And we think, oh, it's like, we don't have the time. It's because we feel icky, blah, blah, blah. And it's like actually so interconnected. So whenever you start to feel like you've, you've lost sight of yourself, ask yourself if you've been maintaining your practice. And I can guarantee you probably not. And as soon as you get back to it, you'll have that moment of finding your center again and finding yourself. So just keep your practice. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Mount Nash, this was lovely. Just a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon treat for me. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed spending time Thank together and, and so excited about your, your teacher training and your new book coming out. Can you just share with listeners where they can find you? Yeah. Find us on TikTok and Instagram <laughs> at the yoga couple, YouTube at the yoga couple. We've got lots of classes there and, uh, the yoga Wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. It's such us. a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having us. Thanks again for tuning in to Yoga Magic. Thanks to our guests, Matt and Ash, and our show sponsor, Interval. Again, grab that manifestation guide to learn a little bit more about how self-care and manifestation are connected and get on the Yoga Magic email list. More information on that in the show notes. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next week.